0: Holder Fox Rob Moore, you know, <laughs> who is this? You know, like this. Mark my words. Shares Mark Homer's contrarian views on investing, business, finance, economics, and all things money. Mark interviews the world's most successful business, finance, and money experts, as well as imparting his knowledge in a factual, direct, and no-nonsense manner. Welcome to Mark my words. we we're going into other countries at the moment, so. Um, we we just run an event in Ireland, um, so we're looking to grow that. Um, that was quite interesting, actually. You know, you, I think someone shouted out, "Hold a fox, Rob Moore." You know, <laughs> who is this? You know, like this. So that's quite good, really, because um, you get the feeling maybe we've not penetrated that market very much. So if we can sort of take all this to some of those markets, and then um, you. You've got people there that have never been biased, you see what I mean? Um, so um, that's sort of what we're on to at the moment. Yeah. Obviously Rob's got loads of book ideas that he wants to write. <laughs> Just keeps writing these books. Yeah, I we're gonna do one. Um yeah, I'm I'm gonna do another, but obviously he's gonna have to be locking the door and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> But yeah, he's got he's got loads more that he wants to bring out as well. Yeah, stacks of books. I just find it hard. I've I've still got ants in my pants, so I just can't sit there and do it really. No, no. But you know, you know, they're like the orange book and the make crash, uh, make cash in a crash and all that sort of stuff. Rob just sat there and dragged stuff out of my head. Actually, that's what we did with low cost high life. Uh, We went on holiday and he sat there all day just dragging all this stuff out of my head. Um, But I have sat there and written stuff, but it's just pretty arduous. I might have to get a uh, ghostwriter. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, Yeah. but then I just don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Yeah, I did one yesterday. Yeah. I had a good broker in actually who's doing development finance for me at the moment on some Big projects. He's really clever. Yeah. Um, so I'm doing one a week at the moment. I was away the week before, but yeah, yeah. Robs, sort of, yeah. Counted up how many I've done in the last two years, and <laughs> <Got some technical laughs> uh, well, yeah, basically, you've only done one every two weeks, and it should be one a week. You know? yeah. <laughs> I do get into trouble every now and again. Yeah, yeah. Well, on from that, what are your thoughts on the other sort? Of- out there, you know. I haven't Is seen him for them? years. Yeah, uh, I, was, I think Paul came from here years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was a nice bloke. I didn't, but I haven't seen him for years, and I haven't. Um, say, so the with any of them, not, not so much now. Uh, years ago, we'd be really into it all, and you know, getting them all on the go and all the rest of it. But as time's gone on, I don't know. We. I suppose we drag a certain amount of trainers in anyway. Yeah. So when we're looking for new strategies and new things to do, often you know they they may be on a course or they'll come to us. Yeah. Um, we, I mean we you know we, we do go on a sort of marketing day where we all learn from each other, but that's Rob organises that and that's less sort of property training. There's, there's other types of training. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't have as much to do with them. Really? That's that's genuine. That's not just me not wanting to talk about the competition. Um, I just, yeah. To be honest, Rob would more. Um, But a lot of the time my head's in pure property stuff. Do you know what I mean? So, um, yeah. A lot lot of the industry just through the recession just got decimated, just went. Do you know what I mean? Um, I know there's more now, obviously, sort of since two thousand. I don't know, 10, 11, 12, but um, it was a big clean out. Yeah, yeah real big clean out. So um, I think the market's best guess is that base rate's going to be one and three quarter percent by 2021. Now, this moves all the time, and everyone who claims to, or everyone who tries to predict this stuff, or claims that they know, are usually wrong. Uh, and Mark Carney should be the person who knows. More than anyone else, and you notice what his predictions have turned out to be. Um, so, I think that's the best sort of market guess at the moment. U.S. Fed funds rate is two to two and a quarter percent currently. So they're ahead of us in in the in in this sort of raising cycle. So we're at 0.75 seven five. They're one and three quarter percent ahead of us, uh, and you could almost put all of that down to Brexit. Uncertainty. Yeah. Their economy is growing at three and a half percent. Our economy is growing at one and a half percent. Europe's maybe two, two and a half, whatever. So we're good one percent behind Europe and two percent every year behind American growth. So um, I, I I, mean, if, if Brexit got sorted, I suspect economic growth would increase one, one to two. It could be one and a half percent. There'd be more pressure on wages. Wages are going up now. Obviously, inflation is, is, a lot of it's imported inflation because sterling is devalued. So there's a one-off hit. But inflation, you know, there is pressure on it or there'll be more pressure, um, you know, if the economy was was, was growing stronger. Um, but I think whatsoever we'll uncertainty around Brexit remains, interest rates just keep, it just keeps getting kicked down the road, doesn't it? Longer and longer and longer. Yeah. Well, they will go up, won't they? Well, Mark Carney says the new normal is two to two and a half percent, and it's not. We're not in a five percent world anymore, because that was really five six percent was where base. That was the average rate, wasn't it, for many years? But they say that the fundamentals, the 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 speed of the economy, and um, you know how it's constructed, the capital account, all all that sort of stuff, means that. Average base rate in normal times is probably half what it was before, before 08. Yeah. Debt levels are high. Yeah. 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 It, I mean, look, it could it could always happen, but um, I think the best defence against that is getting a really high cash flowing portfolio. Because you can get fixed rates for a number of years. And Sometimes they're good. Depend if you compare the cost, costs. Sometimes you do it, but the fixed rates run out at some point, you know, and Honestly, it's just insurance, um, and you know if insurance isn't there to make you rich, it's it's there. You, you pay for it, um, so in the long run, fixed rates cost more than than tracker rates, even when interest rates go up. It, it's just fixed rates are there to to cash flow the the periods when rates are higher. Yeah. Yeah. Try and keep more cash back. Yeah. That interest rates could shoot up and then, you know, I'll, I'll be the one paying the money, won't I? But I have in the past, I have I've taken a load of fixed rates out and obviously in the last sort of 10 years, it wasn't the best thing to do, but I did, I took a good number of or a couple of 10-year fixed rates out 6%, I was paying 6% for years, yeah. You don't really know what, you know, what, what, what exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. 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 And if interest rates shoot up, usually the the, the economy is going really quick. The late eighties was a bit different. That was ERM and some other factors. But it went up and it sort of came down. Maybe average rates were more like eight or nine percent. But property values and, and debt was a lot lower. Do you see what I mean? We, there were different times. So you know, as as capital values of property and other things have gone up interest rates cannot sit at those higher levels. The numbers don't work anymore over the long run. So they, they generally, they sit at lower, lower levels. Yeah, they, they may sort of shoot up for you know, a period of time if, if there's some sort of screw up, like there was with the ERM. But they, they came back pretty quick. But if, if interest rates are generally higher, it, it probably means that in, well, it, will, it does mean that the, the outlook for inflation is higher. Therefore, the economy is probably motoring forward quite strongly, and that probably means that the capital values of your properties are rising. So, you, you know, you, you if you get really stuck, you could sell the house, couldn't you? See what I mean? Yeah. I know in the late eighties, both came together, and people got stuck in a in a short term issue because the values had dropped and rates went up, or the rate or the values dropped probably because rates went up, but. I'm not sure that's happened that many times, really. They try and stop these things happening. You never know what's going to happen. You know, because if, if there was a real concern that there was this, this systemic risk or something was going to happen in the economy to cause interest rates to shoot up, they would fix it. So it's always that black swan thing that comes along that you didn't expect that sc- screws things up. But it, 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 it won't be a credit crunch next time and it won't be ERM next time. And it won't be the oil crisis of the 70s next, it'll be something else. So it's difficult to, it'll come from a different direction. So the, the best way to sort of deal with all of these things is have plenty of cash around you, usually. So, what do you think we're at at the moment then? Obviously, we're, we're in a bit of a late bull market, aren't we? We're in a late cycle. Yeah, se- second half. Yeah. Second yeah. Half. So, it's obviously, and for us, it's sort of uncharted territory. We've not really been yeah. here before. So, do you think, you know, there's obviously a lot of determining factors? Which way we're going to go. You yeah. kind of, you know, are we at a correction and then we're just going to keep rising? Or you know, some people have the view that this is going to be the start of a, you know the start of the bear market and things are gonna tip. But. I I don't know, because I've made so many of these predictions over the years. Yeah. Um it's the biggest question we're having in head, Yeah, so. and do you know what, honestly, most of the people you're discussing it with will end up being rob, wrong. Um, but I'd say we're definitely in the second half. If you think of the, the economy generally, I I suppose it, the economy came out of recession, I don't know, what, 10, something like that, started sort of growing anemically and then stronger in 12, 13. Um, if you look at the, the length of time, we're, we're, we're sort of eight years on from that, aren't we? And I think the last cycle was maybe 17, 18 years long. So, you know, the time before might have been shorter. Um, I, you know, you, you you'd be quite sure it's in the next ten years. Yeah. There's going to be another recession, and then, you know, different things will happen. Um, as to this little thing we're in at the moment, or this Brexit thing, it's it's domestic. It's not we we're, we're interlinked with the rest of the world now because of trade and capital markets and all that sort of stuff. So it it seems, especially what happened with the last recession, it seems that the world or a lot of the world or regions of the world seem to go into recession together now, yeah. whereas previously it wasn't really like that. So this thing we're in, well, if Brexit wasn't there, why, yeah, well, why, why would we not be growing it yeah. as much as Europe and the US? I think we would. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't think this is the start. If it's just Brexit on its own, I don't think this is the start yeah. of a, a, a dirty recession. But something else could come along, you know, um, but I don't know I mean what's happened no wasn't she making a speech at ten thirty um, i mean it is it's quite interesting, isn't it i mean i I studied government and politics, and I love it all um well, I don't love all of them, but I find it interesting, yeah, um so this is an interesting time, isn't it, but like if you're interested in banking in o a it's like the case study isn't it? yeah yeah it's probably got a sick, low 60 60 so I'd say something like that yeah just let it sort of drift down so my attitude is buy it sort of convert it develop it or refurb it and then try and get back as much money as I can or try and get my money back a lot of some of the time you know banks will say oh you've got to leave some money in or whatever okay fine but I will try and get my money back I, I don't go beyond my purchase costs and my refurb or development costs, bit of a rule I've got. Okay. Uh, just try and get my money back. Um, and then and then just hold the investment and then let the loan to value drift down. Because Father Time deals with that. You know, property values go up. Some of your mortgages might be capital repayment. Right. Um, hmm. and over time your loan to value comes down. Okay. Yeah. That's my that's how I deal with it. Yeah. So it's quite low risk, isn't it? In? Yeah. I'm done with all that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when we started, I was, I was, you know, banging it, you know, because you need the money to, you know, I. some of these friends I'd have from school, their parents have got, you know, tens of millions. Do you know what I mean? And of course, they'll go, oh, wow, you know, leverage like that. I mean, (laughs) what silly people. But They've got loads of cash, do you know what I mean? Whereas when I started, I didn't have that cash and I had to leverage and just sort of do it quietly and just use the money to, you know, it was so important to to keep rolling it over and loads of people who are earlier on have to do that. So, well, it's better than not buying a load of stock and not investing, isn't it? So you crack on and you do what you have to do. It's all right for those people who've got the money to just, Sort of say it's, um, but yeah, when you, of course, as you go on, you know, and you, you've got bigger portfolio. And uh, to be fair, you know, when things go wrong, like a bank, you know, if one of our lenders sort of turn around and said we want all the money back, you know, <laughs> I'd have three months of probably six months of pain. Do you know what I mean? Because I'd have to wheel others in and all the rest of it. So of course, you have got things like that in the back of your mind. We're, we've got commercial borrowing. Because with buy to let, they can't do that unless you've done something really wrong. Um, but with commercial, you know, the, there's a lot of reasons why they can yank the money back. Yeah. It's quite different. Yeah. You can get commercial loans on residential properties. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do, do you have That's the favorite. I've seen that in the last week. There's an arrest warrant out for you. Yeah. 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 Did they say it was it arrest warrant? Yeah. 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 Yeah, HMRC can't arrest people, I don't think. You know? Yeah. You're, you did? What? And they did the bank give it back? They did. Yeah. I mean, we uh, British Airways this Savios thing. I'm constantly booking them um, over the summer. They got British Airways have sent a letter to thousands of us just saying, oh, sorry, this lot have got your card details and the security number and everything. They've nicked it all off our website. Um, and um, they've had to disclose it all because, you know, now with the Information Commissioner, when it happens, they have to write to all the customers. Well, initially, they sort of said, oh, the Avios bookings were fine, but now they've admitted the whole lot. So I just think it's happening all the time now. Okay. Yeah. You think about it. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, just to, just to cash flow the, the situation because most of these things, most of these things get sorted. Yeah. Either the bank gives the money back or the the account gets unfrozen or whatever but what happens if you've got a whole stack of people to pay or you know Absolutely. it's a real problem yeah next question i hear that all the time for the last 15 <laughs> years i've heard that and some lenders won't want you to do that hmm. uh and some lenders aren't so bothered about that um is that a broker that said that yeah that, yeah that's Talk to another broker, then probably tell you something else. Um, brokers often have set things they say to you to make their job a bit easier, mm. and some of the lenders may be a bit like that. Yeah. So nothing actually changes. Right? Not really. Lots of banks will say, we own, we, 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 we if you're going to be remortgaging. Um, well, no. When you go to a new let, a buy-to-let loan, is that we're talking about? Yeah, uh, I was looking for. Yeah. Some, yeah, some will ask for your costs, but lots won't. Yeah. Okay. What are you doing, buying it and refurbishing it? Yeah. And Depends on the lender. Hmm. I can give you a couple of ideas in a minute. Okay. Well, I don't think, buy-to-let mortgages, I never knew of any 100% ones. Um, I remember GMAC used to do 89% and Capital Homes Loan used to do 90%. I don't remember it going anywhere beyond that. Um, n- you know, um, Northern Rot did a residential mortgage, I think, where you got a personal loan. So it was like 125% with a personal loan. But surveyors were really lenient as well, some of them. So you could get it valued quite highly. Do you see what I mean? So maybe you achieved 110%. Yeah. Um, oh, what do I think about that? Um, Depends on the borrower. Depends on if you've got a really great income stream, and what, yeah, what's the issue? You know, it's a problem for the lender, isn't it? Probably, but as the borrower, if you've got a good income stream and you know if they come for the money, you know the property's valued a bit, you can get the money from elsewhere. It's probably not an issue. The danger is, it's a bad income stream. You have to remortgage it. You can't get all the money back. They try and pull the money back from you, or you know the property market falls. You know, that that may cause an issue. But other than that, it's probably the lender's problem and not the borrower's problem. See what I mean? Yeah. Do you know what? I, I used to have a lot of people say to me, oh, you should be at 70% or whatever. And I used to say to them, well, why wouldn't I take an 85% mortgage as long as I don't spend that money? So I've taken the money out and I'm using it to buy other properties that I'm refurbing and remortgaging. And okay, it's not sitting in my bank out the whole time, I'm cycling it around. But if I've still got that money, surely it's I'm got more control of it. it's in my bank rather than charged underneath the third charge, you know, in a property. Do you see what I mean? You've got a lot more flexibility. The problem is people I don't know, loads of borrowers with Northern Rock go and borrow hundred twenty five percent, spunk the twenty five percent within minutes and they don't have any money left. So so it's like an enforced saving scheme, isn't it, for those who can't manage their money? That's what it is. But if you're not going to spend the money, well, what's the problem? Certainly yeah. so through the credit crunch, all the, all the people who had buy-to-let mortgages who were leveraged right up, as long as they could rent them out, they were the ones in the great position because they got all the cash. And the, the lenders were all buggered. It's not, not an issue if you haven't spent the money. or oh, well, And they can't pull the money back. With a buy-to-let loan, they usually can't. With a commercial loan, let's say you were at 80% and the value of the property dropped a lot. Uh, There's often a covenant in there that says you must, the loan must never go above 80%. Well, you may be at 100% at that point because the value of the property has dropped 20% because the market and the lender can say to you, you must put 20% in to pay the loan down or they can repossess or put an LPA receiver in to take it back. Yeah, so that that's the risk with commercial loans. Yeah, I do. a lot of my mates are doing that. Um, I could the thing with house building is generally you sell them because the buildings are set up like that, and you know they they can drop quite a bit when you put tenants in, and the yields are lower because values of houses are higher. So it's probably not the direction that I'd be looking to go in right now. But things move around. I was doing a load of offices before, and now I'm. Obviously, been doing these retail buildings, so that may happen. Um, I I'd, I'd probably quite like, you know, one of my friends around here has bought quite a few of these plots, um, and he's held them for a few years, and he's built, you know, as as you know, he built that big big office building, the big grey one there. As a tenant came along, he's built it for them, and then he's let it to them, and now he's just finished the Starbucks there, and he's put three offices behind that. Um, So that sort of new build I do because I think that's good for holding. Um, I I don't know if I want to hold a load of new build houses. Yeah, well, yeah, sort of yield and you're better selling them because that's when the the value is, you know, to a homeowner, probably. They're tight. Yeah, yeah. 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 I don't want to go into that bloody zone. The, The other thing is with that, they're great marketers and if I'm honest I'm not it's not my passion I'm not very good at it um they're always gonna it doesn't matter if they've got a worse product their marketing is better selling dreams. yeah they're selling dreams all over the shop till you move in <laughs> you know what I mean it's just paper thin walls and uh, they're just they're shy aren't they, a lot of them um but they get lots of money for them and make a lot of mo- they're making a lot of money at the moment helped to buy and all that Do you see the persimmon chief executive he, his bonus was bonuses. was like 100 million something like that but he's lost his job over it now because he wouldn't give it back seems a bit unfair but yeah <laughs> that was the deal yeah yeah commercials very popular uh, sorry ware- warehousing trade counters big sheds for Amazon and, you know, online type retailers. Around here, they're all full. But of course, it means there aren't that many that you can buy. Um, So that market's really strong around here. I think the office market's sort of going, but I don't know, those three over there haven't let yet. Um, These let, still takes time though. Still takes six months a year. But I suppose these are 11 pound a foot and they're 17 a foot, you know? So to build them new, and rent them out, you've got to set the rent very high just to pay for everything. Really bloody work, you know. Design and build does. You know, British Sugar there, they come along, they go, we want our headquarters, we want it to look exactly like this, we want to design the whole thing, and we're willing to sign a 15-year, 20-year lease. That can work because then you can set the rent a lot higher because they will pay it because they've got exactly what they want yes yeah i I wouldn't do a spec office building around here. They're the first three since the recession. They're not late yet yeah I'm sure they probably will. They've got interest, but well, apparently that has meant there's a lot more demand or or less supply, so you know there's less vacancies, so that's definitely true. Apparently, they've lost half a million square foot of space in the center of Peterborough because of that, yeah. Yeah, it affects supply, doesn't it? Less supply, so it should be less vacancy, apparently. Oh, okay. Thank you so much. You're very so welcome. Good. good to meet you. you know. Thanks. <laughs> you do that. It's amazing. I think it's gonna be a really big thing. Um, and we've been looking at doing some of that on a development that we're doing at the moment. We're not, we're probably gonna use hot rolled steel or METSEC on, on the top, but... Um, I apparently, someone told me the other day, Amazon are getting into it. I mean, Amazon is like going to be everything to everyone, isn't it? Um, I think the fact that you can control all these basically factory workers in a building like you would when you're building a car means the result is going to be a lot more predictable. Um, You know, running a building site with trades not turning up and doing what they want and things not being properly sequenced is a bit of a nightmare. Um, and it takes a long time and, and, and especially at the moment where labor is in short supply because everyone is building again. A lot of the guys went in the last recession. So, you know, it's 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 that, that, that's going to be a really big thing. I'm not necessarily sure that it's cheaper, um, but the time on site is less. So your finance costs are, are less uh, and you, you get a more precise, predictable product. And I suspect the standards will, will go up and up with it because it's, I think it's easier to, to do it in a factory, because I outside yeah. it's cheaper like yeah. to which here. is what we want to do. Um, we, we, th- my builders found a factory in Norway that he really likes and we were going to use them for this development that we're doing. The problem is if Brexit happens and there's no deal and all of a sudden there's tariffs on stuff that comes from Norway and you're halfway through, it could cost 20% more. Um, so that's a bit of a problem at the moment. Um, signing up to a whole sort of supply of a modular build or, or the, the, the the units from from a factory that they're going to supply over, say, a year, eighteen month period. What well, happens in between if mm. if the, with this Brexit thing going on? It's a bit of a problem. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, the builder I use most of the time is Polish, yeah. and. I think he's been to quite a lot of factories in Poland, mm-hmm. and he's been—he—he's he, found this one in Norway. That he, he says all the ones here are shit. That's what he thinks. I mean, but he is a bit—he's <laughs> quite—he's quite precise with it all, you know. Horrible, it? Yeah. Except the way they do it. Uh, yeah. This is how these old teams like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So well, how, how you, how you think What you mean? Possessory title? Ad, adverse possession? Yeah. Well, why do you want to find the owner? Well, I won't, potentially, I would like to buy it. Oh, okay. Um, often on Lamb Registry, there is the name of the owner, and then there is an address for service, and often that is their address somewhere else. So you look for that, you pay £3 for the title register. On the land registry website, download it and then get onto them. That's one way. The next way is to go knock on the neighbours' doors because often they may know. The next way is to approach the empty homes officer at the council. Every council has an individual who goes around trying to bring these houses back into use, Mm -hmm. and he has a list, he or she has a list of all these houses and the owners. And he'll send letters out, just trying to persuade them, and then they start threatening them to saying that it's getting to bad repair, and then the council start repairing them and putting charges on the property, and then eventually they can <coughs> put the house in the auction and sell it. Yeah. If it's in, I think it has to be in bad repair. Yeah. So they're the main ways. Um, There is something called adverse possession, Mm -hmm. where some people go and find a house like that, and if the owner is long gone and no one is claiming it, they go through a process of moving into the house and then they put an application to the land registry to get possessory title. And then if no one claims it after, I think it's 10 years, a possessory title, you you end up getting it for free. Mm -hmm. Um, Have a look. If you go on Google, there is a, if you type in adverse possession, the process is on the government website, the gov.gov website. I can't quite remember how you gain entry. Um, I don't think you can break in, but you need, you you, you can't have been given the key by the owner. You need to follow that procedure. And when, if you go in, the first thing you wanna do is send a message to the, the police station tell them what you've done and also um, to the local council as well. You, do you see what I mean? You, you can say I'm here, uh, I'm taking out, uh, possession of this, It's adverse possession. You put notices up initially before you go. in. There's a whole process. It's to stop land and houses just sitting there and decaying when someone's died or, and no one's claimed it, you know, bringing them back into use. The law of adverse possession. Yeah, oh, people were selling courses on it a while ago. I mean, it, it doesn't work that often, but there's lots of unregistered land and no one knows who owns it, really. So, I mean, around Stamford, there's stacks of old pieces of land and there'll be some houses and flats that aren't registered as well, so you can't find the owner in a central database. They have to rely on the deeds, and if they've lost the deeds, then it can get very difficult. You have to go around the neighbours and ask them and... You know Do some yeah they've sort of <laughs> dropped twenty percent and yeah, like, yeah. I don't know how to make them work to be honest um you know, they're a great thing for some rich foreign buyer, but the stamp duty is very high um I, I they've probably fallen quite a lot now, and I would have thought you know at some point the market will be good again, and you can refurb them and you know sell them um but what are you gonna do? Rent them out? Extremely low yield. HMO them? Extremely low yield. SA? Never gonna add up. Hard work, isn't it? It, is, yeah. and, and it? And it's this foreign market as well, which is what we've seen they were good for many years, but yeah, Brexit comes along, and then the government turns acrid on foreign buyers and introduces ATED you know, and uh, other taxes, which. Stop foreign buyers wanting to buy, and it, it all turns smelly, doesn't it? And, yeah, yeah. You know, you are definitely safer dealing with people who live in this country, and because um, they're not going anywhere, are they? They have to live in these houses, so the the market's going to be there. Yeah. 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 Listen, you could probably buy flats, little sort of single let flats, refurb them, remortgage them. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm sure HMOs work quite well. L- Luton's not the, you know, it's got a certain Peterborough vibe to it, hasn't it? You know? Yeah, <laughs> you know? So this, is, this can be good because the capital values are lower. Yeah, of course, and the train. So I would have thought it's a good place to do single out HMO or SA. Of, of course. I of course. It's like Peterborough. This is a very, very similar kind of... Attitude, people won't like it because of that, but it, it it can make it very good for investment, yeah. And it won't always be like that. It may be like that for many years. But Peterborough is getting better, and Luton will probably get better. If you go and buy in the middle of Knightsbridge, it doesn't get any better. It can only really get worse. So you, you've got a lot more upside, haven't you? Yeah. Any more questions? Um. I'd be in business doing something, I don't know, some type of business, I don't know. Property is great, isn't it? You can leverage it and borrow it and create income streams and it's so solid and I don't know. I'd probably be trying to invest in equities maybe in companies and I mean, Warren Buffett seems to have done quite well, doesn't he? So that obviously works if you've got the right mind, I'm not saying it's easy. Um, but he just sits there reading financial reports for four hours a day, isn't he? Working out which companies are undervalued and then piling a load of his and investors' money into their shares. It's probably pretty good, isn't it? Me read Benjamin Graham's Intelligent Investor. He apparently, Warren Buffett says, he was like his main mentor and taught him how to do what he does. It's a very complicated book. I found it quite hard to get my head around it. Benjamin Graham. Yeah. What's the title of that book? Intelligent Investor. It's an old book. Any more questions? Okay, so I think we're pretty much done. Thank you for this session. Uh, I hope I've managed to give you some ideas and strategies for your property businesses and trading businesses. If you've got any other sort of questions, send me an email. I'd be happy to reply. Thanks very much.